I grew up in the suburbs of Lisbon, where anti-colonial discussions were the least of people's concerns. In school, in 8th grade to be precise, I learned about the feats of the courageous Portuguese man who ventured into the unknown, the vast and seemingly endless sea. Vasco da Gama, Pedro Alves Cabral, Bartolomeu Dias, these and many other names echoed in my imagination as I pictured Portugal's glorious past. Guided by their curiosity and bravery, they reached lands never before known to humankind. I learned they brought spices, fine textiles, exotic animals and plants, things beyond one's belief. As Luís de Camões, the great Portuguese poet, once wrote, As armas e os barões assinalados que da ocidental praia lusitana por mares nunca de antes navegados passaram ainda além da Tapurvana em perigos e guerras esforçados mais do que prometia a força humana e entre gente remota edificaram novo reino que tanto sublimaram. Beyond human strength The Portuguese traveled through seas that had never been sailed before, achieving the impossible and building the new kingdom that outstretched the boundaries of geography and human imagination. As a 13-year-old learning about the Portuguese adventures across the globe, I remember thinking, oh, Portugal was one of the most powerful countries in the world, and it left me with a sense of pride. This narrative was my truth for a long time. I wanted to follow the steps of my ancestors, travel to faraway places and come back with stories to tell. But the stories I'm about to tell you are quite different from the ones I imagined I would tell 8 years ago. They're not stories of prideful Portugueseness, rather they are stories of pain, abuse and exploitation carried by the Portuguese. Stories I did not learn in school. Stories I assume not to exist. Hey everyone, welcome to a Portuguese story. What you just heard is my own experience with being schooled in Portugal. Throughout my schooling journey, what I learned fed into the notion of Portuguese colonial grandiose, a small country in the periphery of Europe that quote-unquote, took over the world, from South America to Asia. It was easy to absorb such a dangerous narrative as objective truth through literature, songs, but most importantly, textbooks. But there is no such thing as objective truth in history, I would argue. It is a set of narratives, stories, and lived experiences continuously told and untold. To much of my surprise, as I was looking through the history textbooks my younger cousins had, the way history is taught did not change much from the 2010s when I was in middle school to now. And in many ways, this is the inspiration for this podcast. Throughout the series, I aim to untell the history I learned and that many currently do, 
to evaluate, critique, and add nuance to the history Portugal tells about itself. In a postmodernist fashion, I do not aim to make claims about truth, but rather deconstruct and complicate it. Postmodernism is a theory slash framework that at its core aims to challenge ideas of truth by favoring the multiplicity of narratives and embracing their complexity and interconnectedness. It focuses on the relationship between knowledge and power. It recognizes that knowledge is culturally specific and socially, politically, and historically contingent, and that the narratives generated by this knowledge hold power in the ways we perceive and understand the world. But in turn, they are also shaped by power, whether in a subversive manner or not. Power controls knowledge, and knowledge controls power. This is incredibly relevant here, since we will be critiquing the quote-unquote official narratives present in the history textbooks in Portugal. Okay, 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 but why go through all this work, you may ask? Well, the answer is quite simple. To foster a critical outlook towards the dangerous and Eurocentric narratives surrounding Portugal's colonial past, perpetuated in textbooks and the history curriculum. Schools and textbooks hold immense power in shaping one's knowledge formation and the ways we make sense of the world around us. Especially history textbooks are incredibly powerful in shaping how we think about the past, but also the present. They distill historical narratives into easily digestible knowledge. This knowledge is referred to as official history. That is, the history that is commissioned by governments or other authority figures and taken as historical fact. A single version of history that is presented as fact and absorbed as truth. And in this process of making history, it gives institutions full monopoly of the past, of its narration, and of what is quote-unquote true. Thus, textbooks and the official history within their pages become agents of collective memory and nationalism through their top-down narrative. Collective memory refers to memories, knowledge, and information shared by a specific social group. These are often shared through stories, archives, personal histories, you name it. It is particularly important as it constructs and is associated with the group's identity. Here, postmodernism is especially relevant as it showcases how knowledge has power over collective identities and helps construct them. The past becomes a tool for shaping the collective and national identity and memory of a country in its present, even if it creates biases, silences, and portrays a reductionist outlook on history. Okay, so in the case of Portugal, the official history of its colonial past is one that focuses on the benefits it brought to the nation without mentioning the exploitation of its colonies. It is one that focuses on how Portuguese merchants connected markets across the world, without acknowledging how the Portuguese colonial model had the transatlantic slave trade as its backbone. It is one that focuses on the discovery and conquering of new lands, 
without acknowledging the impacts of Portuguese colonial violence and exploitation on local communities and their cultures. An example of this is the transatlantic slave trade and how it disrupted the livelihoods of millions of Africans and contributed to the racial power dynamics in place today. But it is in doing so that the textbooks construct Portugal's colonial past in a more positive light and ignore the immense impacts the Portuguese colonial enterprise had on the world back then and how those impacts have been carried out to today's society. It turns a blind eye into being self-critical and promotes a skewed nationalistic narrative. Considering knowledge as power, pro-colonial knowledge will lead to the establishment and perpetuation of colonial power dynamics, as the good colonizer myth and lusotropicalism are still prevalent in today's Portuguese society and politics. Lusotropicalism is this quasi-theory that defends Portuguese imperialism as better than other European nations. This distinctive character is attributed to Portugal's warmer climate, having been occupied by Romans, Moors, and other peoples in its pre-modern history, which made the Portuguese more humane and understanding of other cultures since their own background was so diverse. It celebrated and justified the civilizing mission of the Portuguese empire since it was, quote-unquote, not as bad. Well, okay, so not only is this completely a nonsensical proposition, it also fails to provide any concrete evidence for such claims. Nonetheless, it is a sentiment that is commonly present in Portuguese narratives of the past and used to justify the myth of the good colonizer. In the next three episodes of this series, we will take a closer look at specific passages from 8th and 9th grade history textbooks. The 8th grade textbook is O Fio da História 8, and the 9th grade ones are O Fio da História 9 and Páginas da História. These passages will be contextualized and historicized based on what they leave out. Following a chronological format, the episodes will cover how Portugal tells its story from its early colonial history in the early 15th century to its fall in the late 20th century. And yes, you did not mishear that. It is over 500 years of imperialism, making it one of the longest-standing European colonial empires in history history, another reason why it is important to fully comprehend its history and consequences. The next episode we will discuss how the textbooks cover early Portuguese colonialism and the implications of the Tordesillas Treaty. In the third episode, we will focus on the textbook's portrayal of indigenous communities and the transatlantic slave trade. In the fourth episode, we will jump to the 19th and 20th centuries to discuss the late Portuguese imperialism and the colonial wars. 
In the last episode, we will jump to contemporary Portuguese society and politics to draw connections between how history is taught through textbooks and the current political discourse and landscape. A little heads up, some of the topics covered throughout the series will be quite heavy and potentially triggering as they involve historical trauma and painful lived experiences that have been cast aside. So be gentle with yourself and take the time you need to go through and explore the episodes. I hope to see you next time. Bye!